0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Cut to the Chase Sports Podcast uh, where we bring bringing unique insight and analysis about your favorite sports you know from the high school collegiate and professional levels. I'm your host Chase Yance joined by a lot of people here tonight so we got co-host Brady how are we doing? Doing good Chase how are you? Excited to get to uh, talking about some football here. For sure definitely I'm really excited about that so I'm doing pretty well. Matt what's
1: up? I'm excited man I'm ready to go but we've been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now I'm here we go, man. We're
0: on. Them. Mm-hmm. And then we got our big guest down here, um, you know, uh, former Ohio State receivers coach and the man at Minister Sports Podcast, Zach Smith. Zach, how are we doing tonight?
2: Doing great, man. Excited to, to see what you guys want to talk about.
0: For sure. Let's we appreciate it. you coming on, taking some of your time out of your day and everything. Um, and we are looking forward to this one. But uh, we'll kind of jump right into this uh, with the first question. Um, so – you were a coach at Ohio State from 2011 through about 2017-18 season. Uh what was the day in the life look like as an Ohio State coach at a prestigious Power 5 you know, school uh throughout you know the entire day from start to finish? What did it looked like?
2: It's you know everything's cyclical. It's all depends on what time of year it is, but you know typically in season is, is what people usually want to know about because it's just such a time commitment. I, I did the math on a one of my early shows on, on my podcast, and I can't remember what it is. It's something absurd, like 140 hours or 120 hours in a week because it truly is. I mean, you, you go like when the game's over Saturday, right? You start with Sunday and, you know, you you, you have breakfast with your family and then you go to work. I mean, you're in, in at work by 10 a.m. And you have to have your film graded. So there's there's all these windows throughout the week where it's like, yeah, you're at home, like you're with your family. But it's like, oh, by the way, while you're with your family for that two hours, you have to grade the game. So it's like, okay, I'm not really with my family, but I might be able to be at home and grading it. So you get into work at 10 a.m. And then you're there until late, 10 p.m., 10.30 p.m. on Sunday. And then that, that grind is really that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday until practice. I mean, it's literally 545 in the morning until 1030 at night, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, you, you get the night off after practice where you get to go home and be with your family. The only problem is because there's such a premium place on recruiting, you really have to make recruiting calls all night long. You have to talk to recruits all Wednesday night. So you're with your family, but you're really in, in your office, in, in your house, making recruiting calls. Thursday similar to Wednesday, and then Friday is, you know, home games. You'll get to take your kids to school and then go to work. If it's an away game because of travel time, you don't get to do that. You have to go in around 7 a.m., and then game day, you're tied up. And the problem at a place like Ohio State is you play so many more later games because you're a good football team. You know, when I was at Marshall and Temple, we played a bunch of noon games, and so you're done at 4.30, and you have the whole evening with your family. You know, you're Ohio State. You play Notre Dame at 7 p.m., that game's over at 1130. You're not home till one and you got to flip around and come back Sunday morning. So it's definitely a grind. I think the hardest part is going from the season grind. And then it's refreshing because you get to go on the road recruiting for, you know, two weeks and then uh bowl game and then three more weeks, but you're just away from your family a ton. You just don't get to see your kids or your wife or anything uh, when you're in it.
3: Right. So we'll you got it. That's just so crazy because like, When your kids are growing up and stuff, like you could miss like the thought of just missing like their first words or whatever. I'm not sure how old your kids were while you were at Ohio State or anything, but like you miss a lot of these milestones and stuff. And it's just so time consuming. you
2: You miss it all. Yeah. I mean, you really do. And, 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 you know, it's like anything else. There's there's it's a there's benefits and, and there's negatives. And I mean, you don't get to you, you'll never get to see your kid really play football. If it's a, if he plays in a spring summer sport, you might have a chance like baseball. You got a chance to go to some games. Right. And it's just and, and, but on the other side of it. I mean, I so I have a 12 year old right now, 10 year old, five year old and, and a one year old. So the one year old wasn't even a thought back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my 12 year old, my oldest son, I mean, he got to do some of the coolest shit you've ever imagined. I mean, just, one you know, going on the field after games, being on the sideline, going in the locker room. I mean, you know, his friends are huge Buckeye fans, and this kid's like, what are you talking about? Like, those are my friends. Like, Braxton Miller is my friend. He Mm -hmm. doesn't know that, like, no, Braxton Miller is a superstar. Like, he doesn't realize that because it's just – that's just some guy that my dad coaches, you know? So (laughs) – and then they get to go on bowl trips. Bowl trips are like – I mean, you can envision being a billionaire and planning a week vacation. That's what it is to these kids. I mean, they have – hospitality suites where they get to walk in and it's just like massive walls of candy snacks. Like they get free cowboy boots at the cotton bowl. You know, you get all this stuff at the fiesta bowl. You're in Scottsdale and it's warm and they have like all kinds of uh, stuff for these kids. It's, it's magical what they get to do. So there's so many benefits to it, but at, at the same time, I mean, it's tough. And luckily I got fired in 2018. My son was, let's see, he was eight. My oldest was eight. Uh, about to be nine. And so I got to really flip a switch. And then all of a sudden I started coaching his travel baseball coach, my daughters. I just left right. my daughter's travel softball game, uh, practice. Like I'm just so much more involved now. It's just, it's cool to have lived both lives, I guess.
3: Right. You get the, the little, the peewee coach sense of it. And then you got the big time, like everyone's watching it. Millions of yeah. viewers, like it's it's on type of thing like i can't even imagine being out there knowing that everyone is watching your every last move and like it's just the whole ohio state fan base which is insanely large is just tuned in and you're you're making all these like calls and you're you're the one producing you know michael thomas terry McLaurin, and all these guys that that um all these fans know and
2: love for sure it was really cool. I, so I, last year I coached, I was I was the head coach of my son's sixth grade tackle football team. And I was trying not to coach. Like, you know, you can imagine mm-hmm. as a kid growing up, like if your dad's a coach at Ohio State, like there's a lot of pressure on you to play football or be good. Or So I didn't want to make it worse. So yeah, I was right. just going to be a dad in the stands. And then they had to coach like quit like three days before the season and no one else would step up and do it. So I kind of got thrust into it. It was the most fun year of football I've ever had. I mean, we were out here running the sixth grade league. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man, what kind of offense did you guys run? If I could go in that, we,
2: I mean, we ran what, what we what 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 we ran at Ohio State, but on a much, I mean, much. Oh well, yeah, yeah. You got to throw something. I mean, day, you, you know, know, there's things like little little tri- trinket plays, that, like tight end throwbacks and throwbacks to running <laughs> backs, things like that that oh, you yeah. can run it once a season at Ohio State because then they have it on film and they're coached up. It's sixth grade football. I can run that three times a game. I'm running running little stuff like that every game. We're doing rollout. We threw the ball a ton for sixth grade. Um, It was it was a lot of fun. So it it was it was a very youth version of what we did at Ohio State.
0: That's awesome to hear, though, you know, just getting in dad mode and all that stuff. Then also having that side of things, as Brady said, having the best of both worlds in, in both ways and having, you know, when you, can, when you can have your kids involved, it makes it that much better and all. But, yeah, Matt, uh, I'll throw it down to you for question two.
1: Yeah. All right. So first thing, you know, in terms of recruiting, how a couple parts to this question. First part, you know, how taxing is it? on you as a coach daily in terms of, you know, phone calls, text messages, just constant, constant, constant. The second part of the question, I want to know your biggest miss while recruiting at Ohio State in terms of the guy you guys were going hard as hell after, the one you wanted bad, and then it ended up going to Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, Clemson, somebody, and ended up really blowing up and
2: being huge. So I I really want to know the biggest miss you had. Well, so recruiting is 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 all about effort. I mean, it's it's deeper than that. You got to you got to have charisma. You got to person person personable skills. You got to be able to build relationships. But you really got to sink an inordinate amount of time into it because you can't just recruit a kid, right? I can't just recruit you. If I'm going to get you, I have to recruit you, your mom, dad, grandpa, whoever is in your life, your high school coach, your position coach. I have to recruit everyone in your world so that everyone around you thinks you should come play for me, right? So it's it's t- literally twenty four seven and that's not an ex- exaggeration. I remember I recruited Jalen Holmes, a great defensive end out of Virginia Beach that played at Ohio State. And I mean he would text me at 11 o'clock like, hey coach, you got a minute. I'm like, yeah, I'm just recruiting him. He's a junior in high school, right? He would call me and talk about some that having a school life, foot whatever. We talk for an hour and a half at 11 p.m. Meanwhile, I got to be back at work at five 30 and I'm like, and I mean don't get me wrong. I was genuine with it. Like I I didn't approach it from like a salesman angle Mm. where I'm trying to sell kids. So I loved it. Like Jalen and I still talk because we built such a relationship in recruiting and that's rare. And I think that's why I had some success at it. Now the biggest recruit I ever lost or the most gut wrenching one. And it, it wasn't the biggest recruit I ever lost, but it, because of the meaning behind it, it was a kid named James quick. He was the number one receiver in the country out of Mm. Louisville, Kentucky. And I recruited him. I mean, we got there in 2012, couldn't really get Stefan Diggs or some of the big names because we had got hired like, you know, a month before signing day. We got in on Stefan Diggs, but ended up, he ended up going to Maryland. We couldn't, we couldn't flip it at the end. So that 2013 class was the first class that I had a full year to recruit. And I put, I mean, I, I sunk my teeth into the number one receiver in the country. And he committed. He committed in December, right before he went to the Army All American game. He was coming. I got it done. And he was a freak show. And then something happened at that Army All American game where it was really between us and Louisville. Dad went to Louisville, huge Louisville fans. Charlie yeah. Strong was at Louisville, and it was. Uh, but I beat Louisville, like the hometown, like the odds-on favorite to get this kid. We were we we stole him from him. Right. And then Louisville went out against an overrated Florida team in a bowl game and beat the brakes off of him. Mm-hmm. And the minute they yeah. did, his dad flipped, flipped on me, got the kid to flip the kid. And it was the day before the Army game where he was going to announce he was a Buckeye. And so that right. all of a sudden that next morning, I'm like talking to the family, talking, to, and I'm not getting anything back. And I'm like, oh, shit, Man. something happened overnight. Like this yeah. is going to go bad. And sure enough, he picked Louisville at the Army game, and it was just gut-wrenching because I needed that kid. I needed that. Yeah. And he. And the best part is he needed us. Yeah, he didn't yeah. need to go to Louisville, stay right. at home. That's he needed right. to come right. to Ohio State and get developed. And he, he didn't pan out at Louisville. His dad and I have talked several times after the fact, and he's like, damn, we screwed that up. Like yeah. we really made the wrong decision, and I'm like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. They were running the ball with Lamar Jackson every play. He wasn't getting the ball. Yeah. It was it was before Lamar, but yeah, it's it same was before same difference. Oh,
3: Yeah, yeah. Might have been Run. Teddy Bridgewater back then. Honestly, well, Teddy, I mean, Teddy. I was probably off on that a little for guy. at
0: least a year. I would think. I think Teddy yeah. got drafted in 2014. I think, but yeah, you know, I remember that. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, so there was. I don't know if the, there was someone in between Teddy and and, and Teddy. Lamar. I think, but I forget but. It. Either way, the kid the kid didn't really see the field, and mostly not because of talent, not because of the offense, not because of Louisville, but it's hard sometimes for a kid to stay home and be a big-time recruit like that and then pan out because there's no like, all right, I'm at Ohio State, I'm grinding, I'm doing this. It's like if if you get if shit gets uncomfortable, you can just go home. Go, like go hang out with your high school friends. Like you can just escape that development process. And, and some kids just can't do it. There's not a lot of kids that are Columbus City kids that have made it at Ohio state. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like that.
0: It's like that proverbial chip on the shoulder. You would say Is like, not as, you know, not as big overall. Like if you're at home and all that, it's not going to, you know, potentially grow and all, uh, if you're away from another school, I, I think that's what you're kind of getting at, but, but yeah. So, yeah. And it's just,
2: you, you, you don't ever fully commit because you still have your support yeah. system and your safety net right there. I mean, we had a kid that li- that lives in the, the same suburb that I live in he came to ohio state and was and he ended up playing but initially he struggled because when shit got hard he would leave and i'd see him at the country club i belonged to and i'm like what are you doing here he'd be like oh i just wanted to come back and you know stay at my house and it's like bro go back to campus like go commit to being a college athlete
3: right yeah. right yeah, yeah absolutely like it's it's a big time thing going to ohio state like you are Dude. You are becoming a man, basically, because it's not going to be there's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot different than high school. And there's people have to realize that it's not going to be easy. Like you don't you don't just get on the field. You have to work like you see all these five star freshmen coming into Ohio State. Not a single one of them right now are like projected in the top, maybe even to first or second string depth chart right now. Other than maybe like a C.J. Hicks or somebody like that. Because yeah, but and
2: only because the linebacker room is so bad. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They,
3: can't, right. they like, can't read their blocks. They can't react to the ball. Like we saw it last year. It was ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So to, to follow up on the recruiting thing, just I'll try to give an insight to everybody at home. I know your recruiting director, when you guys are first identifying talent, right, mm-hmm. everybody is making you know their name for themselves, the five-star kids. You know their names. But when you guys are trying to figure out which kids you're going to target, talk about, you know, Pantone, does he bring in a list of guys just into the coaches and you guys go out and say, we're going to go watch film on this guy and attack him hard. How does it work? How are you, you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. So Ohio state's obviously a different level than even other division ones. I mean, Utah, I coached at Marshall and Temple. And, and right. although the recruiting staff was great at both of those places, you're kind of on your own. One, you're recruiting a different kid um, then, then, you are at Ohio state. So it's a little more difficult. You can find diamonds in the rough. I mean, there's, I, I, I actually, my proudest recruiting accomplishments were some of the kids I had at Marshall and temple, like Robbie Anderson, who's still playing in the NFL was a kid that oh, I found yeah. and yep. recruited at temple. Yep. Um, you know, cause it's, it's harder there. You got to find, you got to try to find an NFL football player that's under the radar. That's tough. Cause there's yeah. a lot of people looking for him, but at Ohio state it's totally different. I mean, you have right. Mark Pantone who's the best in the country at what he does. I mean, he has a staff of people that have gone through and evaluated every every kid. I mean, they'll give you cut-ups. Like, when you watch highlight tapes, like if you go watch Brandon Innes's highlight tape on YouTube or Huddle, that's not what Ohio State coaches watch. They don't watch that highlight tape. <laughs> that recruiting staff has put together a coach's tape, which is basically like, here's all his highlights and lowlights. It's basically any play that that college coach would want to see on that player, good and bad, Right. So you, you're always going to get an, an initial list, but at the end of the day, they're recruiting guys. They don't know what they're talking about for the most part, right? right. Mark does a great job, but he doesn't know as as well as Brian Hartline on what receivers are in what order, right? Now, right. He, he has a great – he has a valid opinion, and he's he's excellent at it, but you guys might butt heads. But they give you that initial list for you to start evaluating and start hammering through, and then you, you, you end up going out and – Finding your own kids too. Like I'll I'll go to St. Louis and find Cameron Brown. And it's like he's on nobody's list. Right. And I'm like, I'm just telling you, I'll watch this kid work out. He he's he's an Ohio State level player. I think he's a corner, but he could play receiver. And so right. you find those kids when you go on the road, and it's 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 fluid, it's always changing. You know, guys move up, guys move down, guys get added to the list. Kids play great the first half of the year, and all of a sudden they jump. You know, it's it's always fluid. Right.
3: It's just crazy. I don't, I just I feel like it'd be so hard to identify this talent out of thousands and thousands, even millions of high school players. Like, like the Cam Brown situation, like you said, he he was a wide receiver, right, recruit out of high school. And um, and obviously he's worked out as a corner. He's played meaningful minutes the past three years. And then this year he's probably going to be uh, – I mean, him and Denzel Burr are both going to easily be the starting corners. But I, I think Cameron Brown's one of the most underrated players on the team. Oh, I so think he I has think a chance
2: to be a first-rounder.
3: I agree. I've always thought that when he came back, I Matt down there was super excited about it on
2: on Twitter. You flipped. You got into argument. Just a dog.
1: Yeah, I love
2: All you had to watch is the Michigan game. There yep. was one kid that was one that kid was that was in the going, in that and, going and, right and at, at taking him. Man. It. Yeah, it 100%. Was he wasn't yeah. taking
1: no shit from him. I mean, no, I'm talking. He battled. He
2: he, he was in the line. The, the whole offensive line's face. Offensive line going at him, man. I mean,
1: <laughs> man, giving I do how big you are,
2: 70 pounds, just going at him. Yeah, I mean, he, shit, it's awesome. And actually, that's surprising to me because he's like the like he's developed that. That's that's credit to Mickey Marathi and him. But coming yeah. out of high school, yeah. boy, he was a quietest, nicest kid alive. <laughs> Wouldn't have done that
3: as freshman year,
2: that's for sure. No,
3: but like was, that was the the Joe Moore winning offensive line. But he, he's not scared at all of uh, the uh, of those boys. He he came ready to play. He's he was one of the few defensive players that game that was actually in the game playing like an Ohio State player should in that game because the, the front seven was just non-existent that game yeah, yeah for, it was, just, it was just a bad deal yeah <laughs> not, not it at was, at <coughs> I was so, there freezing 20 degrees snowing wanted to die wanted to leave especially when they were killing us at the end I left like when they got that final sack I was out and then just getting tormented I hated it but it made me even more ready for this next game coming up because I'm going to be ready to uh ready to celebrate
2: and if and if you take your buckeye fan hood glasses off it was what needed to happen it was right? because yeah. they had a senior laden team ohio state was young ohio state was kind of a front running team and they beat, you know they it hasn't been a competitive rivalry and i don't know how long they they need, like the rivalry in college football needed that to happen to just re-energize that rivalry and everything about it 100% For sure. yeah, yeah.
1: I agree. Um, so to, to go ahead and transition on to the next question, um, two-part question again. I want to know your favorite player you ever coached, meaning, you know, work ethic, this, that, or the other, just best guy to be around. And then next, the second part, who's the best player you ever coached? You know, most talented, most athletic, went on to the NFL, did this, that, or the other. So it's, you know, you, you would think the question goes together, but it doesn't really. It's kind of a two-part deal.
2: No, yeah, it doesn't. Um, So my favorite player I coach, that's tough, man. I've had a lot of them. Um, Yeah, It's probably – I mean, it's probably Paris Campbell, to be honest with you. Um, And and it's tough to not mention Terry McLaurin and Michael Thomas also and and Johnny Dixon. I mean, Johnny Dixon, I started recruiting him when he was 15, so – I don't know there it's, it's, that's, that's like saying, which kid is your favorite? It's like, I, yeah, I, don't know, yeah, I, know, I, I know. it's
1: a hard question, but like it's it just is. cause we always hear about how unselfish Terry McLaurin and Evan Spencer were just being dudes, you know, and just yeah, it, things like that. So how, like, it, here's you know, the, Michael, Tom- to Michael it? Thomas
2: took everything I was trying for two years to institute in my room, culture, work ethic, all of well, that. And he took it, embraced it it blossomed because of him. And then he took it to levels that I didn't even see. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard for it not to be him, but at the same time, a guy like Paris Campbell, every single day was amazing to coach that kid. Like every day, even when he was a freshman and was awful, he wasn't any good. He could just run kind of, he was a running back that was trying to become a receiver. It still was, it still was fun because he was had a smile on his face. Hardest worker I've ever met. And Terry McLaurin kind of, they were two peas in a pod. They, they both needed a ton of development. They both showed up every day, bright eyed, ready to go. I mean, and just grinded for five years. So it, it's hard to pick any, but, you know, it's all part of the journey.
3: Mm-hmm. And now, and now so, they're. Okay. And,
2: the, and, and the second part of the question was what? The best player. The, the best player I've ever seen play football, any position, anywhere, is Percy Harvin. I knew Not it. Not even close. I knew, I knew, knew yes. it. I knew yes. it. 100% I knew it. I knew you oh, were man. a big Percy That's Harvin. That's all you about. need to know about Percy Harvin. Pete Carroll had him at, at, at Seattle. He called Urban yep. Meyer because Percy was a head case. I mean, he was nuts. And not mm-hmm. nuts. That's not fair. He had a bunch of metal yeah. stuff going on. He, and he would just – he would he was bipolar maybe, would snap on people. Like, he would beat the shit out of people. I mean, he, he fought Golden Tate, I think, before the Super Bowl or before the <laughs> NFC Championship game. Both of those guys had so, a good game too. <laughs> yeah. So, Pete Carroll called Urban was like, hey, I just need – need your advice like you manage this kid for three years i'm trying to figure out how to do it because and this is a guy that coach reggie bush recruited and coach reggie bush he told urban he said i i gotta figure out how to manage this because i i'm almost i'm pretty sure this is the best best football player that ever buckled a helmet ever in any era wow and he was man that kid was so good
3: Really he was, I
2: mean, was just dynamic, like kind of like a Curtis Samuel but better type. And, of- and you can't even like you can't even evaluate his numbers because of because of how he was. When you play shit, he didn't even go to the South Carolina game one year because he had a headache and didn't want to go. But if the lights were bright and you're playing Oklahoma in the national championship game, you the Super Bowl, no chance. That kid is go, he's gonna have a career day monster. Oh man, yeah. I remember he returned that kick for a touchdown against the
0: Broncos and I mean, I mean obviously that game was way out of reach to begin with, but that was just the icing on the cake. I knew that put a big smile on your face though.
2: Oh, just you know, you want you want those kids to succeed and he he did sure. to an extent. I mean, he had a shorter career than he should have, but he he had those yeah. flashes and you know what? He's doing well, so that's all that matters. And he he got to live that. his dream. Hmm? Still yeah. playing in the NFL, still made good money, you know, stuff like that. Well, I don't know everything about you three, but I don't think any of us four ever got to step on the field in an NFL game. So I'm just saying, I didn't
1: make it that far. <laughs>
2: hey,
0: yeah, I, I quit that. And I, I quit that in high school. I'll tell you that. I'm like a basketball player. That's yeah,
2: <laughs> a Hooper.
0: Oh, yeah, yep. Hooper. Mm-hmm. Them grass drills, man, it's something else, but that's that's something else. But uh, but yeah, um, I have a, a backup question that kind of goes off of that
3: involving Terrace yeah. Campbell. I know you didn't end up coaching Jameson Williams, but who do you think is faster? Paris Campbell or Jameson Williams? That's a good question.
2: I don't know. Uh, Paris is one of the fastest kids I've ever seen. And, and Jamison, I think, Jamison probably has a, so there's a number of ways to answer this, and so I'll give you a coach's answer, right? There's right. straight line track speed. Paris, I think, has j in that. But when you talk, and then there's open field ball in your hand speed, and I think Paris still has Jamison in that. But then there's route speed right? Yeah. And, and, and ball skills tie into route speed because you have to be able to explode through a catch and hit top speed and stay at top speed through mm-hmm. a catch. And that's where Jamison is different. He right. runs a slant and his separation out of that slant is insane. When he <laughs> catches the football, there's no slowing down.
3: No. So
2: that's such a political answer. I'd say both are faster yeah. than the other, <laughs> but it's just different situation. I think if you lined them up on a track, it's going to be a dog fight, but I think Paris edges Jameson out. But at the same time, when I recruited Jameson, I went to a track meet in St. Louis, a regional track meet and he won six events. I've never Shoot. even heard of a kid attempting <laughs> six events. He, he's they're just, you're talking about two freaks in nature. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's, I just thought like those had to be maybe the two fastest guys that you ever coach slash recruited. So I just had to see like what you thought. And that makes a lot. I never really thought of it that way. Like, Jameson does run his routes faster than Paris Campbell. Like Paris Hell, Campbell, like you give him that jet sweep like he had against Michigan 2018 down the sideline, nobody's catching him.
2: Listen, here's the thing Paris Campbell, he, he's he's a wide receiver and he's become he became a really good one. But that kid is a yeah. running back at heart. Like
1: works, played yeah. running
2: back in high school his whole life. So when you just hand him the ball and he runs a sweep or whatever, it mm-hmm. is like I mean, you can see the ground smoking after he runs just because <laughs> it's all natural ability. Now, when it comes to receiver play, he's not as polished as Jameson was. And it's, you know, doesn't make him less of a player. He actually became a phenomenal route runner and his ball skills went from about a five to about an 8.5. So he improved a lot of things, but Jameson was just more natural at the position.
3: Right. I agree. I agree. I, I feel like Jameson's more of like a, like, could be a wide receiver one, like wide out. Like he can play wide and not have to, like, Paris, you can put him anywhere. He's a gadget player. He can be whatever you want him to be. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, like he's a running back at heart. He seems like a strong kid. He runs through tackles. Oh, he's strong like, as shit. Yeah. I I, I kind of noticed that he like
2: isn't afraid to take hits where Jameson you know I'm saying? he runs like a back. Like you're not gonna arm right. tackle exactly. Paris, and that's uncommon for receivers. Exactly. But it's it's like, like Debo he's Samuels. Debo Samuelish, is what yeah. it, he he, he yeah. reminds me of Debo Samuel a lot. Right. I agree. I just think I just think he's a lot different than
3: Jamison. And that was a that was the answer, like. That makes a lot of sense. Like I never thought of it that way. Like explosion out of routes, but that makes so much more sense now. Like, why doesn't Paris Campbell get as open as Jameson Williams on these on these plays? Because but he's just a different player.
2: Yeah. Different skill set. That's all.
0: Right. For sure, I I hope stuff will uh you know eventually work out with Paris Campbell and all that stuff. I know he had some injuries when he was with the Colts and everything, but you know new new season and everything's that Matt Ryan is quarterback. We'll see what happens with that. I do want to ask before I go over to this uh, next question. I've been waiting to ask. Um, so obviously you got <laughs> Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin. When those two guys are healthy, where would you rank them in the NFL of receivers?
2: Michael Thomas had the best three year run. He did of any receiver. I mean, he better than any receiver that ever played the game. So yep. to not put him in the top five, a fully healthy Michael Thomas. I mean, I can see the argument that he doesn't have drew Brees anymore, but he was dominant. I mean, yep. he was, and then he had an he, he'd had injury issues for a year and a half. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know what, I don't know why that people immediately think that means a kid can't play. If he's hundred percent healthy, he's a, he's 100% a top 10 top five receiver in the NFL. And I think Terry is a top 10 receiver in the NFL, too. He might be lower part of the top 10, but (laughs) Terry has done well in an awful organization with no quarterback. Yeah. Just imagine him with a quarterback that could throw. It'd Mm -hmm. be insane. So I think they're both top 10 receivers in the NFL, and I don't know how you debate that, really. Yeah.
0: I I can see. I I agree with the Michael Thomas thing, though. I mean, (laughs) talking about that three-year run and everything, I mean... he led the, you know, he led the league in catches, set the all time record for catches. I, I think Cooper Cup might have broke that. I'm not too, I'm not entirely sure on that. But Michael Thomas did have that very dominant run, especially from 2017 through 2019. Terry McLaurin, he walks up to the game and he, you know, he's asking who's his quarterback going to be this week. I mean, how are you going to function that way?
2: Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. Like Heineke or what was? I don't even know the guy's name. Heineke. Heineke. Yeah, Heineke. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think he's had like Taylor. I think he said Taylor Heineke might have had Josh Johnson one week. Now he's yeah, got Alex Carson Smith. Wentz, Alex Smith for a bit. Yeah, he's had got them all. Uh, yeah, he's had every single so he, quarterback you could think of.
2: He, he had Dwayne. Yeah, he had,
0: yeah. Dwayne. He had Dwayne. Yep. Had Dwayne. Yep. But yeah, like, uh, but still, God rest his soul. But I mean, they he's had everybody though, and <laughs> but the fact that he's still producing those numbers and everything is you know beyond astonishing. But I do want to say this. I'm going to get in this next question about quarterbacks. So I'm a big <laughs> Bengals fan. Joe Burrow. All right. Athens, Ohio. Came to Ohio State from 2015 through 2017. Um, I've heard the stories and stuff uh, about how he was in college. Throws like a girl. This, that, whatever. Um, just what was he like before the blowup, and what has made it? What has made him
2: so successful now? He's. He's. I mean, I don't know what what rating you have on your podcast, but he has huge energy that's a politically correct way to say it. He just, he has that swagger. He has that mojo. He has that like chip on his shoulder pissed off to prove to you that he is going to take your soul from you. Like, that's just what he has. He has the it factor that Michael Jordan had. And I, that's, I honestly am sitting here saying that's not overstating it. I know Jordan was like the greatest competitor that ever lived. Joe Burrow is that. And, and that's why he is where he is. That's why he's playing how he's playing. That's why the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. Yep. Because, and, and we saw it, he just wasn't quite there yet. And Dwayne Haskins was slightly ahead of him. Yeah. Right? And so he had to make a business decision. Do I want to sit behind Dwayne or do I want to go take a starting job? And so he went to LSU, got a starting job. And that first year at LSU, he was, an, he was a good quarterback. He wasn't anything special. But yep. that 2019 season, good Lord i mean we haven't seen a quarterback play like that ever no
0: it was incredible not, not even close it, they yeah they opened up that offense though you talk about i don't know who their offense coordinator was in 2018 i think he had like 18 touchdowns of five picks that year but when joe brady came in from the saints yeah. and they just you know went five wide and everything they were just spreading the field out he was just throwing all over the place obviously his, his cast was amazing one of those guys jamar chase uh, that's that's another story for another time but but do you have any stories of Joe Burrow? Like anything create anything like that hasn't really been told at Ohio State? Anything that you could think of?
2: Oh, I don't know. I mean, he he. Uh, you know, we did Matt drills in the winter. When you do all kinds of like combative drills, like tire pulls, you know one on one, you know you versus whoever else, and he was always a monster in him. I mean, that's that's why you knew he had the it factor. Like he would, you he, they'd put Joe Burrow against the starting linebacker, and he would take the tire from him. Like he just he had that competitive edge. And there I, there was one time he did a tire. You know, you get him, you know, those big tires, one guy on each side. They blow the whistle, and you got to pull the tire and get it away from the other guy. And so he did it, and he was, I can't remember the linebacker. It, it was I don't know, one of our better linebackers and they're battling, battling and he kind of lost his footing and the linebackers pulled him all the way across the, the mat. And any other kid was done. It was over. Like you just let go. Like I lost and he didn't let go. He gets back up and he starts pulling them all the way back to his side of the mat. And you're looking like this kid won't quit. Like he's <laughs> not going to give in.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And he just had okay. that. It, it was like this small town kid. His dad was a college football coach, wasn't yeah. highly recruited, got an Ohio state offer, was kind of a reach. And he had this chip on his shoulder. Like he was pissed off to prove to people that he would, he belonged. Right. And now he's pissed off for greatness and he's, mm-hmm. he's just not going to stop until he gets there.
0: I'll tell you that I'm going right. to wear my, I'm going to wear my Joe fucking burrow shirt. So more, proudly <laughs> I, I you know, just, <laughs> but yeah, just, this good stuff to hear about him and all of, uh, where would you rank him in the quarterbacks i know it's kind of early played a year and a half had this ridiculous season and all but you know where would you where would you like rank him as of right now going into 2022
2: i mean it's tough to rank anyone behind tom brady and aaron Rodgers. It yeah i mean yeah. I th- granted i mean it, there's a number of ways to approach this conversation i've had this conversation several times if you're talking about who do I want to be my quarterback right now, Joe Burrow. No one else in the league, number one by far, because I want to be good in five years too. And seven exactly. years, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Tom Brady would be great, but what <laughs> does he got? I mean, shit, he just retired and, and magically yeah. came back. Like, he he's knows not what play. he got, really. Yeah. I mean, he could just keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fox is calling his
0: name too. So, <laughs> I mean, five
2: years ago, he just keeps winning, man. It's crazy. <laughs> There's no doubt. But for the long, you know, long haul, I want Joe Burrow. But I mean, I think if, if you talk about this season, where's he at? He's. He's, he's definitely top five. Um, I could give, I could concede to you, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady, I think are one and two or one, a one B. And then I could buy Matt Stafford. I'm not, I'm not on Patrick Mahomes hype train. Never really have been. He was doing stuff and getting away with stuff that was absurd and we've never seen before. And that, that was, that time was going to run out on that. And now he lost Tyreek Hill. I don't think Nico Hardman is is even on close to the level of Tyreek Hill. So no. I think I think Joe Burrow's a solid four at worst. Okay.
3: Okay. Yeah. I, I love that. I yeah. love it, especially. Um, I, I see a lot of these people like saying that Justin Herbert is clearly better because look at the stats. Well, the stats are – Traits, of the- traits. I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. traits.
0: Oh, that, yeah. that traits. drives me crazy. People on TikTok and all. One of
3: them went to the Super Bowl. The other one hasn't made the playoffs. Like, what? I don't care about the traits because they both have good cores around them. Joe Burrow has been better than Justin Herbert, in there's, my opinion. There's it's no crazy. analytic
2: or no film that you could study that says otherwise. I agree. Yeah,
3: yeah. 100%. Like, I'm not even like a Bengals fan. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm saying this. So like, well, but I am a, I'm a Buckeye fan. And so I like Joe Burrow, but
0: still. Yeah. yep. Yeah. Just, uh, and one more thing before I pass off the Brady. Um, so we talk about the it factor and it's really hard to explain what that it factor is. If you break it down, do you have the Zach Smith have the grasp of what the it factor is? If you could like break it down a little bit, it is a tough thing to break down sometimes, but you just know oh, when it's there.
2: It, it's. It's, it's literally just, it's kind of twofold. I look at it two ways and this is the it factor. One is you have this burning desire deep in your soul to become great, right? That's the first thing you have to really want to. And I'm not talking about you say like, I want to be great. And you work hard every now and then I'm talking about when you look in the mirror, your habits, the things you do every day, they align with the pursuit to greatness. That's the first thing, right? You have to Genuinely have to honestly want to be great and act that your habits have to match that. And the second thing has to be when the lights turn on, when the moment is big, when the fire is hot, you have to raise your level of play and everyone around you. You have to that like you you literally are dying to be in those moments. Like Joe Burrow wants it to be third, like fourth and goal in the Super Bowl with three seconds left. Like he wants that play. Every day. Like if you ask him like, Hey, here's a scenario. Fourth and goal from the nine, one second left down by five. You have the ball. You want to, he'd be like, can I do that? Every play. I want to do that. Every play. Like he wants the biggest stage, the brightest lights, the all of that, because he just, you're starving for it. And so those are the two things that I look for, right? Is that burning desire to be great. And then just seeking those moments, right? And the big stages and the pressure and thriving,
3: yeah. Right, and and I remember Mike Weber tweeted out like he's Tom Brady, and nobody even knows it back in like 2017 about Joe Burrow,
1: and that's I was crazy. Saying, Isn't that crazy, dude? I mean, seriously, he's literally Tom Brady, just a little bit more talented. That's really what I would yep. compare him to. A little bit more athletic. You know what I'm saying? Can move more. Yeah. Probably oh, has a little bit better, better arm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's just like
2: he's got the I Tom Brady, Michael winning. Jordan
1: deal. Man, he's just a, a he's, just, he's just a winner. He's just a and, winner. And, that's the best guy I can describe
2: him. I just, I know the kid, I know him really well. And what you worry about with someone like that is the distractions, right? The, uh, the, the, all the like, you know, chicks and and the limelight and the money. And the kid is so far from all that. I mean, don't get me wrong. He probably pulls all kinds of chicks, but he, <laughs> he, has, he has his priorities in line, right? right? They are where they need to be. And that is not going to change because of his character, like who he is deep down in his soul.
0: I definitely oh, agree right. with that for sure.
3: Yeah. 100%. But uh, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and move on to the next next question. Uh really nice talking about Joe Burrow though. Uh oh, I was. He's <laughs> an interesting topic for sure. But uh I'm going to go ahead and ask why cuz obviously this was probably not your decision whatsoever, but why do you think the offense didn't shift from JT when they had the chance in 2017 when he got injured against Michigan? Heading into the Big Ten championship week, you got Dwayne, Joe. You can start either of them. But they started JT again and they won by like three, and the offense didn't look that good. What why do you why do you think?
2: Because Urban Meyer cannot make that decision. He just he he didn't have the balls to make a decision like Nick Saban made in the national championship game with your Heisman you know, trophy got Jalen Hurts as your quarterback. Nick Saban benched him at halftime of the national championship game and brought Tua Valoa in and won the national championship because of it. They would have lost if Jalen Hurts played. Urban never had the balls to make that decision because anyone with a brain, every coach on staff knew that if Dwayne Haskins was a quarterback in that Big Ten championship game, we had a better chance of winning big and making the playoffs. Everyone knew that. Yep. But Urban couldn't do it because JT was so phenomenal as a leader, as talking about it factor, all of that. JT had right. it and he was the captain. And Urban right. couldn't make the calculated decision to put Dwayne in because that's what the team needed. The betterment yep. of the team needed Dwayne Haskins, a quarterback.
3: And then there he could just tell tell JT we well, think you're kind of banged up, like maybe you should sit this one out, type of thing, or
2: yeah, but you know. couldn't do that. Because right. there's too much transparency with trainers. I mean, JT literally slept over at one of our assistant trainers' houses. I mean, he was there for the no entire god. week, getting treatments in the middle of the nights. Like that kid was everything you want in a quarterback and a football player. I mean, right. he literally was like, "No, no, no, I'm playing. This is a championship game. I'm playing." Mm-hmm. And he lived in a trainer's house for the entire week and made sure his knee was right. Oh my god! So he I mean, he, came, he, had, he had meniscus surgery and played right. seven days yeah. later. That's uh, absurd. That's insane.
3: I part of me just hoped that he would that surgery would last a little not no offense to JT. I want him, I want his knee healed and all, but I was so excited to see Dwayne in that in that big moment after he led us to victory against Michigan. And I mean J, JT was okay that game, but as soon as he threw that deep touchdown to Terry McLaurin, threw a pick six very next drive. Yeah. I believe
2: and the deep yeah. touchdown. To Terry McLaurin was a trick play or it was a scheme play. And Terry McLaurin mm-hmm. didn't have anyone within 30 yards of him. No, yeah. and, and like, I, I could have thrown that touchdown. I'm not, and I'm not even, I'm yeah. not even that great of a thrower, but I could have. <laughs> right. And me and
3: Matt were actually sitting in that end zone that Terry ran into pretty, pretty hyped with some drunk Wisconsin fans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> funny thing was I was in the other end zone for that. So we were all at that game. We didn't even figure we out.
1: Yep. Yeah. Wow. So what yep. was, was this, was there a conversation with you, Ryan, or, and the coaching staff and Urban about get replacing JT during the season no. at all, And no. just in general, no. did you guys ever bring bring? You said everybody like knew it, you know, like okay, obviously Dwayne's better than him, but was it ever brought to Urban's attention or just you know what I mean? You guys, so you just didn't no. even try it, didn't even try to and have there's a. There's no
2: point. Urban, Urban's co- coached football for thirty good. years. He's he sees right. it. Like, what do I need? Yeah. I'm. Twenty years younger than Urban. What do I need to walk in his office and be like? Hey, Coach, I think Dwayne's better than JT. He'd look at me like, "What? Okay. Shut the fuck okay. up!" Like, right? Yes. Because it's a big, it's a bigger picture than that, right? You're yes. you're gonna bench your silver football winning, like Big Ten Player of the Year, like captain, three time captain, all everything. You're gonna bench him for a young kid, and Dwayne, you know, as talented and as good as he was, he wasn't that general leader. Like he wasn't that guy yes. that just like took control. He was kind of just. Yes. He just did his job and so it was it, it would have been a tough tough thing to do. And right, Urban Meyer yeah. knew as well as anyone if that should have if that change should have been made, he knew it. Right.
3: Yeah, and, and the next year I remember like thinking if we're gonna still run that. I I didn't know about Dwayne's running ability at that point because the only time I saw him run was against Michigan, he almost scored in 27, 2017. Well, so I'm rain, like Dwayne cannot run or couldn't no, no. Yeah. no he couldn't run, but but I did, lo- I did love first play against Michigan in 2018, taking that first down carry, though. That was hype. That was hype. Yeah, That's what sure. made me – I knew we were going to win at that point. Like, <laughs> this Michigan mighty defense can't stop yeah. the Wayne Haskins running the ball. And then Chris Olave just takes in 20
0: touchdowns, and no- they can't run with us yep. you know, is what it was. Not at all. I will ask this, though, okay? So – We're going to take it back many years, 2008. We brought up Percy Harvin, 2008 Florida Gators. You were part of two national championship teams, I believe, right? 2006, 2008. In
2: 2014, yeah. In
0: 2014, yeah. I was talking about the the Florida team. So 2006 beat Ohio State. Yep. So you got the best of both right there. But 2008, that team had so many personalities on one team. What what could you make out of that? Uh, some players on that team. Just what was your, what was your thoughts as a young guy in 2008 with, with a ton of conflicting personalities or not conflicting because they came together and won the national championship. Just give me the thoughts. Uh,
2: Yeah. I mean, it was, it got pretty conflicting in 2009, but uh, just just unbelievable players. One of the most talented teams. It might've been the most talented team I've ever been a part of that are the 2014, 15 Ohio state team. Um, But just massive personalities. I mean, just, and, and, and some different kids. I mean, the, the culture and and quality of kid was a little different at Florida. Um, You had some wild, wild kids. I mean, just like, I I don't even know how to explain it. They just were, they were, it was nuts. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. some of the best players in the country, one of those talented teams maybe to ever suit up and Mm -hmm. they had some personalities to match. I mean, the Pouncy twins, just, I mean, we could go down the roster, Tim Tebow, Brandon Spikes, Aaron Hernandez, Percy Harvin I mean just some of the just Joe Hayden just ridiculous football players Mm -hmm. right that might have been do
3: you think that was your most talented team you coached or was like a team like Ohio State 2015 which one would you put ahead of the other one 2015 Ohio State or
2: 2008 Florida So uh, 2008 only because I think there's there's a lot of similarities as far when it comes to talent level. But Tim Tebow is one of the best college quarterbacks to ever play the game. And I know he wasn't an NFL quarterback, but you can talk about the rosters all you want. That kid was dominant, running the football, play action, everything. And, you know, not to knock JT or Cardale or any, any of them. But I mean, I don't think anyone is out there arguing who had a better college career, Tim Tebow or JT Barrett no one is right so it it comes out of quarterbacks and and i think defenses are similar i mean a corners janoris jenkins first round draft pick joe hayden first round draft pick the corners we had at ohio state all of them went first round so it's very similar um defense at at every level but i think the 2008 team was was just a little better okay
3: yeah i'd i'd probably agree based off what i just tim tebow kind of pushed that team over the edge i feel like he
2: did he did he's just like because he It's one thing to have to stop, you know, Michael Thomas, Zeke Elliott, and Jalen Marshall. It's another thing when you have to stop all those guys, and the quarterback is as dynamic a runner as Ezekiel Elliott. Right? Right. Like you got two of them. (laughs) Right. That's that's when you imagine Braxton Miller being back there with. with Oh, without a doubt, that's a whole other conversation. But like Tebow was literally like if Ezekiel Elliott could throw the ball, that's what he was like.
3: It's insane. Insane. Nuts. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: So uh, moving on to the next question. Um you obviously – you worked under Ryan I think for one day right as the offense coordinator or one year I'm sorry um hmm. as the well, offense coordinator one day. <laughs> <laughs> <The longer laughs> day um so talk about how it is to work under him you know what's what are his strengths as an offense coordinator how how elite is he because we see it all the time I mean he's putting together some of the best offenses there are so talk about that yeah.
2: Um, he he's, he's the best I've ever been around. And I've known i I worked for first time I worked for Ryan was 2005 at Florida. Um, he was the GA and I was his assistant. Um, so I've known him for whatever that is 17 years now. Um, he, he's, he's honestly the best I've ever been around when it comes to, and, and he wasn't at Florida, obviously he was a GA, but you know, he, you could tell he was really good, but he just his journey and, 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 all the stuff he studied, the work he's put in. I mean, he's brilliant. He's really brilliant. And, and some guys are brilliant. They're, they're scheme guys. They're gurus. They're really smart. And they they can't really connect with players. Ryan is is unique. He's almost a unicorn where he is so smart when it comes to football, when it comes to scheme, when it comes to teaching. But at the same time, he can go recruit a young kid, right? Like a a receiver from South Florida. He can connect with that kid. And that's not that common. Most coordinators aren't good at that, right? Guys like Ryan, guys that are really, really smart. So it was awesome to work for him. I learned a ton from him. Um, him and I really worked well together. It was great. Uh, very, very different from working with Tom Herman, uh, who also was really good, but but very different. And then very different from Ed Warner and Tim Beck, who were... I mean, that
1: was, that was <laughs> We've heard all about that, yeah. Um, so next part of the, that, uh, this, um, I'm not exactly sure if you have any desire to get back into coaching again, but if you do, who is a, a head coach in the college game that you maybe from afar always thought I could see myself working under him really well. I want to, I, I would love to coach with that guy, just any, any coach.
2: Um. So the, the two right now, obviously I would love to work for Ryan. I mean, first of all, I don't want to coach again, ever again. Um. Like I, we talked about it on the, the f- front end. I just enjoy my kids too much and I want to be involved in their stuff. So yeah. I don't really have any desire, but if I did, um, I obviously would love to work for Ryan. Ryan's a good friend of mine. Uh, I, I enjoyed working for him as a coordinator. He'd be great to work for as a head coach. That would be awesome. But if, if we're talking people I don't know as well, I mean, I wish I would have taken the job in 2017 when I got offered a job from Nick Saban, just, just to yep. see like, what makes him so good. And, and, and to evaluate, because no one's ever worked for Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. I would love to evaluate like the differences. Like Why has Nick had this success, and, and Urban's had similar success but not as dynastic, right? Not as yeah. didn't build a dynasty like Saban did, yeah. but if, and if it's not Nick Saban or, or Ryan, um, it would be Steve Sarkisian. I, I think he's, wow. you look at his resume and what he's done. He, he's the best quarterback coach in the history of college football. I mean, you could, yeah. you could sell me on David Cutcliffe, but yeah. Steve Sarkisian is ridiculous. The quarterbacks he's coached, the guys at USC, the guys at Washington, the guys at Bama, like his resume is second to none ever. Yeah. So I would love to work with him and learn how he teaches quarterbacks, how he coaches quarterbacks. That just I'm fascinated by experts, right? right. I, I, that's why I'm I'm obsessed with Larry Johnson and how he does things. Like I, yeah. experts fascinate me, and Steve Sarkeesian is an expert when it comes to quarterback play, and I would love to see it in person. Yeah,
3: right. and and that speaks to why a guy like Arch Manning and a guy like Quinn Ewers would want to go to Quinn Texas. Ewers, and- yeah, they've
1: seen this. Oh, yeah. Mac
3: Jones. Mac Jones was. Probably not that great of a quarterback when he arrived at Alabama, if I had to guess, uh, even though we didn't see him much, then you mm-hmm. come out to 2020, he had the best season in the nation of any quarterback.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And so yes, no he's, a, he's a he's a great, great quarterbacks coach. Uh, and it, it's nice to see him have another try as a head coach too at Texas. I, I think he'll be I think he'll he'll do better than Tom
2: Herman or else
3: if and obviously if he doesn't, he's gone. But
2: yeah, he definitely will. He's already is
3: mm-hmm. yeah. No, oh yeah, with with the recruits he's getting and the, the level of the transfers, even
2: yeah, like the kid from Bama
3: cool. transferred in, and they almost got Jordan Addison if USC didn't pay him like probably five more dollars than Texas would have. Both of them would Jordan, have Jordan
2: Addison's Jordan Addison's average though, so yeah, he's overrated. He's not even close
3: to any of the Ohio State wide receivers last year. Let's just get that that straight. Yeah, I'm he, sure you. Would, he, I know he, you.
1: Would agree with that. Yeah,
2: with he's yourself. probably. I mean, he, he was probably a top 10 receiver in the country, but he wasn't the best. That's just a joke. No. <laughs> yeah,
1: he, he wasn't
3: like, he was not on the level of any of those first round receivers you saw picked, or especially like Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith and Jibba, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. It, it just wasn't a contest.
2: No, no, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. For sure.
3: Um, but, um, the last, uh, another question, um, what are, this is kind of like a broad question, I guess, but what are three things you're looking forward to seeing this season in college football? It could be teams you're looking forward to watch players or just storylines in general.
2: Well, I'm big on just how the the national landscape unfolds. That's that's what I really focus on. I don't really care about Ohio State if if they're a three-loss team, which they're not going to be. But if they're a three-loss team, I'll watch them cuz I know I you know, I know some of the players and I have friends that coach there, but I I just love the the quest for the national championship. So that's what I focus all my time and energy on. And so right. some of the storylines coming into the year are just exciting, right? One is yeah. this is clearly a two-horse race right now, which that can change 100%, 100%. But, it's it's going to be fun to watch how those two teams, to, you know, grind grind it out, and how Alabama takes on Texas and Ohio State takes on Notre Dame. Like it's not they're not playing UAB and Bowling Green early; they're playing some some decent teams, and then yep. to see the Ohio State Michigan rivalry game, the answer right? How Ryan Day and and the program responds to being called soft and all that other stuff, and losing for the first time in almost ten years or right. over ten years really. Two thousand eleven was yep. the last loss. Um, So 10 years, I can't do math. Sorry. But um, so those are two big things. The other thing I'm excited to watch and, and, and I, it's going to be fun is Georgia. I want to watch Georgia because they, they brought back this quarterback that is above average if at best <laughs> and they all their receivers transferred out. They lost their whole generational defense. And for some reason, people still think they're like the third best team in the country. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm excited to watch that.
3: Yeah, I I don't see them making the playoffs at all this year, especially no, with.
2: And there's so many other storylines, right? Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley at USC. Like, how, how's mm. that? How's that going to be? There's interest in West Coast football right now, which there hasn't yeah. been in, since Pete Carroll left. Basically, yeah, yeah. that's going to be fun to watch. Brian Kelly and and what I believe will be an epic disaster in the Bayou at LSU. I think that'll be fun to watch. Like, Sarkisian, <laughs> can he can he bring Texas back? I mean there's so many fun things and exciting things to look for this year. I think this is going to be one of the best years of college football in the past 5 five, ten years. Yeah. Who is, I'm,
1: who's I'm your sure. projected top 4? Who do you who do you if you're sit, sitting here today July 20th, who are the other two besides Ohio State and Alabama who do you see getting in?
2: Um, so I I actually like 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 violently hate discussing it before training camp even starts, because I just think there's too much that goes into it. Too much to go on, right. I mean, because I've been a part of national championship teams. I've been a part of teams that, that fell a little short. And in July, I would have told you being on the inside, you know, in 2014, I would have said, no, we are not a national championship team. Once pricing got hurt, like no chance. Then you watch the development through training camp and you're like, wait a minute now, this team's pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. So much happens in training camp. So, Off the cuff, I mean, I really think it's Alabama and Ohio State are cut above everyone else. I think there's going to be some unique stories. Like NC State, I think, is going to be strong. Wake has a a quarterback that I think is decent. The SEC East is going to be an interesting thing to watch because I think Tennessee has a chance to be pretty good. So I don't know who the top four are because everything else is projection. Like USC and Caleb Williams, it sounds cute. But right. Caleb Williams held the ball in the pocket longer than any other quarterback in college football last year. And USC's O line stunk. So if yeah. that's still the case, I don't care how good he is, they're not gonna, they're not gonna make a playoff. Right. Right. Texas, we have no idea what Quinn Ewers is gonna be. Right. We know they are great running back. So there's so many, so many things to figure out. I think Alabama and Ohio State are two that if they're not in the playoff at the end of the year, something tragic happened. Yeah. And then outside of that, I think it's anybody's game.
1: Yeah,
3: I agree. Right. Mm-hmm. I I agree, especially I like your Tennessee point there with, with Hendon Hooker. I mean, that gives them an advantage over Georgia in just that sense right there. Hendon Hooker, I'd much rather have him than Stetson Bennett at quarterback.
2: Oh, so for sure. I, and it, but when it comes to uh, roster, I mean, Georgia has the more talented roster. More so talented. It, it'll be interesting yeah. to see what what happens with, with Josh Heupel and what he does in the offseason and how he develops them in, in training camp.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Because Georgia, I mean, they lost that defense –
3: but then they add high-level recruits back at those positions. But will they develop to the point that those players did? We just don't know that yet. And so that and and who knows if a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young gets injured before the season. That that could be one of the things that changes the Never whole mm-hmm. I mean, I'd
0: cry if CJ Stroud got hurt. I would. <laughs>
1: so <I'd be> t- <laughs>
0: I cried when my pro quarterback got hurt, but that's something oh, yeah. else. But, that's you know, it's all coming. It's all that coming. I
1: got, I got one more one more question here to close the deal. So, with Oregon or, – or, I'm sorry. You know, so USC, UCLA come to the Big Ten. What are you thinking out west-ish? Oregon, Stanford, Washington, does Notre Dame finally swallow their pride and make a jump to the, comp, uh, the Big Ten? So, how, how, how are you seeing it fall – the you know, conference expansion for the rest of the country? How are you seeing well, you that? You know, so I on?
2: think the, the, the biggest key is Notre Dame and the ACC right now. I mean, we you can talk about Oregon and all those other schools. Those schools don't matter. I mean, they might find their way into one of these power conferences, but they, they don't control anything that has to do with the landscape of college football. Right. The ACC has the rights to Notre Dame as it stands, and Notre Dame is trying to put pressure on these TV, you know, stations or whatever these these companies to give them a massive deal to stay independent and if not they're throwing it out there that they can be bought and the acc is the one if the acc doesn't make a move those schools in the acc like clemson florida state miami they're going to be looking to make a move Mm -hmm. but if they add notre dame they can solidify themselves as a third conference so all eyes are on the acc and notre dame right now that's all that matters and if notre dame gets an independent deal, the ACC is going to crumble. If I I don't think Notre Dame would join the Big Ten as it stands today, but if they did, the ACC crumbles. If Notre Dame goes to the ACC, you've now solidified three conferences, and the other two, I don't know what to tell them. I mean, they're going to have to try to find Oregon and Phil Knight. He'll buy his way into something. Washington has a good following. Stanford, I mean, they're going to – Probably the big I mean the Big Twelve and Pac-12 tried to create a merger and then those talks failed. So right. yeah. it's a train wreck right now. But but all eyes are on Notre Dame and Notre Dame loves that. So they're not in any hurry. They're, 100%. they're their ego just, is the size of the, the globe. Right. With so them, they're loving the fact that they control the next move and they're gonna play that out as long as they can. Right. Yeah. Just, with them
1: adding, you know, USC arrival, Stanford, obviously a big Notre Dame old rival, Michigan. You know, just they're their historic rivals all come to the Big yeah. Ten. It just I just you know what I mean? It feels eventually for me, at least like they're going to have to make that move. You know what I'm saying? It's what, you know, it's it's what should happen. It doesn't it mean it should happen, but eventually,
2: literally I think happen.
1: they're just, just going to get to a situation where they can't be independent anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they've got to get the, because the conferences could just say they're not going to let the people schedule them. Deal like that to where, you know, we're not going to play you if you don't join this conference type deal. Yeah, the and they're not going to big. want to not play their rivals like, for the
2: rest of I, their I wish it would happen, but the money's too big. And the yeah. perfect opportunity presented itself with COVID. Notre mm-hmm. Dame was literally going to not be able to play football. Yeah. And the ACC threw them a lifeline. And yeah, it's the best yeah. thing the ACC's ever done because it's yeah. the only reason they're still in existence and have a fighting right. chance 100%. here. yeah. So yeah. it, was a, it was a great chess move, but at the same time, you get pissed. Like if the ACC would have just left them out there out at sea, they would have had to pick a conference and actually yeah, committed.
0: Were. Yep. Mm-hmm. That would have been one of the toughest they things for them it. to do right there. Yep. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, they, as, as, uh, oh, yeah, Brady, you got it. You going to ask? I, I was just going to say, then they got,
3: uh, they got, they got to have a fun time in the playoff playing Bama and getting destroyed again <laughs> uh, since they got the end of the ACC that year. Had to be like, mm-hmm. Fun game yeah.
0: for that. And a little taste Great. of karma right there. But uh as we wind down on the show, uh, you know, you got your Minister Sports podcast. Uh kind of tell people that aren't really familiar. There should be a lot of people that are familiar with your show though. Uh, you know, tell us how that kind of got started and all uh Menace to Sports Podcast.
2: Yeah, it was weird. Uh, you know, so much, so much transpired when I got fired. And I kind of I don't want to say I went into hiding. Like I did a couple interviews and I just and I mainly did interviews because I felt like people were lying—not even about me, but about stuff that went on and Urban's involvement—and it, it just pissed me off because there was blatant lying going on, and I didn't like it. So I, 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 you know, all advice was to just stay quiet and weather the storm and come out the other end, and all this other bullshit that that PR people tell you. So I was, I was quiet. I did those couple of interviews, and then I just was like, I'm, I'm, I got to figure out my next move. Right. And I knew I wanted to do something with college football, right? Whether it was get back into coaching one day or I I just love the game too much. Yeah. So I didn't know what that was. And then after a while, someone, one of my friends and one of my, both of my brothers floated out to me, they're like, you should start a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I've been thinking about that. And then it became a way to, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I don't care if people listen. I just want to do it to stay involved in football and keep talking, keep studying, keep learning Mm -hmm. and just stay in the game a little bit. And so I played up the whole media narrative. That was the other thing I thought about, right? Like, all right, the media is painting this picture of you. Doesn't matter what it is. Whatever they're saying you are. How do I take that, make it really dramatic and turn it in my favor? And so I did. I spent 5 months building up a podcast, you know, claiming that it was going to be this outlandish like tell all. I'm going to expose people like this angry, yeah. unhinged guy, right? <laughs> Yep. And then people tuned in and I played into it. I was like, yeah. and I told, I told a lot, a story that was completely made up and people I were like,
3: story. freaking out about story. it.
2: And then, I, and my whole point of telling the story was like, listen to that right now. You believe that you yeah. believe that's true. Mm-hmm. And that's because I said it and that doesn't make it true. And yeah. so I, I really flipped the script yeah. and I, I created what's been a, an awesome brand and something cool to figure out. Now I intended to do it as a hobby, not, a, not a career, not like a company, but right. it took off so big that I was like, all right, I got to figure out wh- what to do with this.
3: You're right. Exactly. And, and speaking of that story, that's the one about the president, right? It is. I remember that, <laughs> that, that one got, that one got, that one got to me. I, I was, birthed, I don't think I've ever laughed as hard at, at a sports podcast as I did during that moment, <laughs> especially when you, when you like, pointed out the fact that everyone believed you i believed yeah. it, it so it you know it's funny
2: and, and i'm not gonna say who it was but um one of my best friends who's a big time college football coach was the one that that came up with that idea not the story but right. you know we 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 still i talked to you know i have good friends that still coach i talked to him every day after i got fired because he would always check on me and you know because he knew i was going through some shit exactly. and he was like and i was telling him about the podcast and he was like you know what you should do you know, there, there was all these lies and all this stuff created in the media and people believed it because it's what it said. He said, you should just tell a huge lie. Yeah. And then like five episodes later, yeah. tell him it wasn't true and make them realize that you made them believe that just because you said it. Right. And I was like, I don't know about five episodes, but I definitely yeah. said brilliant. <laughs> like that's absolutely how to start it. So it wasn't even my idea and it was a brilliant idea. Yeah, um,
3: it was. I, I was like, when you told that story, I didn't know if you were just going gunning for blood, like you got to take out these, take out everything, <laughs> start taking out Urban, you know. <laughs> Right. All these guys, all their, all their backs, all the bad things they've done. And I, but then when you said it was a joke, I was like, well, that was perfect. I mean, yeah. Yeah. too. True, true. like everyone believes though, that stuff that any media outlet will say, even though yeah. half the time it's not true.
2: And here's been my point forever. Like, I, I don't even defend my innocence at all. Like I don't even care anymore, but I mean, I can, I can, I can put all the points up and defend it all. But yeah, the right. reality is like, if I say I didn't do those things, you still mm. don't fucking know if I did or not. The right. reality is, is, there's no way for anyone to know. So right. how are you going to judge me or anyone else based on what people say? It's just exactly. ridiculous.
3: Mm-hmm. It is. And, and I love on Twitter where people you'll, you'll be arguing with another fan base or something. And they'll just like say something that's just, they have no idea about. They just heard about it on the news one day. Yeah. And mm-hmm. oh.
2: You know, people people, people expose themselves when they do that. It's like, wow, well, yeah. one, you really don't know what you're talking about. You didn't look into yeah. that at all. And two, you just want to talk shit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you clearly got beat in
3: the actual argument about, like, I don't know, let's say you said that CJ Stroud was better than Hendon Hooker. I don't know, like something random. And then they'll be like, well, you did this, you did that. It's like, well, well that had to be But it's not it just
2: it. fan base. It's Desmond Howard. Yeah, I, yeah. I called I call Desmond Howard out for the, the the classless shit he did at the Heisman, and immediately yeah. he's like anger management beating your wife. I'm like, oh, oh. bro, you're you're so stereotypical, yeah, like, absolute jackass that doesn't know anything. Gotcha. No, mm-hmm. I hate yeah. Desmond Howard. He he made a whole fool of himself during the Heisman oh, ceremony too. He's a I love ceremonies
3: he is and then and then when you made that point about carnell tate and then all that whole tennessee fan base right up in you like
2: (laughs) it's it's like i said the kid's a really good player what are you bitching about (laughs) i I mean he you didn't
3: say you just were telling the truth about what you saw on tape why would you why would you come on the show and just say oh yeah he's great he's going to be the best player in the nation like he is he's the next garrett wilson like He's not anything like Garrett Wilson or Crystal Lave, play style. He's different size, different. He's not as fast. Yeah, he could be great.
2: And the things that I'm, the thing that I'm shocked people don't realize yet is I don't care. I I don't care if the kid gets mad because I said he is not very polished. Like it it doesn't. I don't care. It doesn't bother Mm me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. got to keep it real.
3: Things about Brandon Innes, and then he even came at you like, and then and then you're like, well, you don't have as much top end speed as you think you do. (laughs) <laughs>
2: and the best part is i know i know all of brandon and Innocent high school coaches it's like stop it i talk yeah. to your coaches you know once a month
0: <laughs> right yeah yep. know something that you know you don't know and all that but uh <laughs> so you got some stuff you have some stuff going on at ohio state games this year and all that for your menace stuff so you guys are so we're working on it
2: we, we we've had tailgates for the home games in, in the past and uh we we kind of not drop the ball, but we, we, yeah. we came to a disagreement on the location because we blew it up. I mean, it, it took off. I mean, this it was a parking garage that we made huge. And now oh, they, yeah. the people that own it think it's like worth some crazy amount of money. It's like time out, like yeah, go back to being a parking garage. How about that? <laughs> so that kind of fell through. So we're, we're, we're working on some stuff. I also, those events, man, they are a lot of work. And so oh, same like, I'm, yeah. I'm working on some stuff. I think we might have some stuff planned, but if not, um, we're actually in talks with maybe doing some remote location stuff at a Tennessee game at a Texas game. So we'll see. Yeah, but awesome. um, I'm hoping to have some really cool stuff going this fall outside of just the show. That's awesome. That's, yep. Great stuff to hear. Was,
3: was Braxton Miller at those too? Like I remember you. Uh...
2: Yeah. So I did them for two years. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just the you know, just my show did it. And then yeah. Braxton and I got in a conversation and he wanted to be a part of it. So okay. Braxton and I did them last year, okay. um, the whole season. And they were epic. I mean, the big games were Ridiculous! They were so—they're awesome. so, right. the best tailgate in, in, on campus by far. You're right? That's
3: yeah. Awesome. Like the—did did you guys? You guys had one from the Michigan State game, I remember, and I'm—I'm I'm, yeah. I'm guessing that one was good based off the amount of points. I'm sure there was a lot of uh, a lot of
1: crazy. <laughs> the,
2: the Penn State tailgate—I mean, it, it'll go down in history. There's 400 people in a parking garage. It was absolutely insane. Halloween weekend. It was probably the craziest tailgate I've ever even seen.
0: Right.
3: That's it was have you, have you been to an Ohio State game since since you were fired? Or no. have you – you haven't been to one? Okay. That's probably no
1: – Yeah. Well,
0: yeah,
3: I mean, like, it sounds more fun to be able to tailgate like that anyways than at the game even in some instances. like
2: Yeah, I, I, I like watching the games. But I like yeah, – going to the games, nothing. I mean, right. I, I get it. Like, people love it. But yeah. mm, being, being on the sidelines for 15 years, it's like it's – it, not There's gonna nothing be really fun. appealing about that.
0: Yeah, right. it's, it probably is a different feel and stuff for me yeah, be on the sidelines and coming well, you know, you don't want me. to
2: deal with it. Like, okay, someone yeah. take the pictures, look at Zach Smith, he's in the stands. It's like okay, yeah. Okay. Mm. I, it, no desire.
0: Like you yeah. just are you're content with what you're what you're at right now and all that yeah, stuff in it. a way, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. But right. Zach, uh I appreciate you coming on the show tonight. Really appreciate you taking time out of the day. Matt, Brady, you guys got any more additional comments to end this thing?
3: Man, I just I appreciate Zach for coming on. It was great talking some football and, and learning sure. some new learning new some new things for sure. Definitely. For sure.
1: I mean, uh, this is huge for us. I mean, not only are you a former football high state coach, we don't get you know opportunities to do that, but yeah. we're trying to get this podcast up and running too. So having a guy that's successful in both fields, you know what I'm saying? Coming on, I mean, that's a huge testament to who you are as a man, not just you know, a football coach or a podcaster. So we really appreciate it. I mean, we're out here grinding on this, trying to get it going, and you take time out of your busy day to do that. That's awesome, man. So I appreciate it really do yeah.
2: absolutely yeah. man i i enjoyed it so keep keep mm-hmm. grinding fellas if you need any help let me know i can give you some pointers i have mean, i i got thrust into this world unintentionally and i've <laughs> yeah. learned a ton <laughs> for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. we definitely
0: appreciate it man we do and we'll definitely be in contact with you as the future goes on uh yeah. for that folks just uh you know tune into his podcast Men's sports podcast you guys go live wednesday wednesday through friday or is it just wednesdays uh,
2: oh monday, monday through friday, friday. Monday. every monday every friday? day monday. Monday.
0: Okay, yep. So yes. just, yeah, I know he does. I know he does. <laughs> but, yep. Just tune in Monday through Friday with his stuff. Keep, uh, keep an eye on our stuff. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that. Uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Zach.
2: I appreciate it. We'll see you guys. Bye.